Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely talked to to Weston. I talked to Christian, and you know, they told me that this is a good league, good league for me. They said that you know, before I even signed here, they were like, I feel like the Bundesliga, you would you would kill it, and you know. I, Obviously, I took that under consideration, and you know, my agent, my family—they put the trust in me, and they also think that this would this would be a good league for me to develop. The man of the moment is the man of this hour tonight on Football Americas as we go two on one with Ricardo Pepe from Germany after his record-setting move to Augsburg and the Bundesliga. The U.S. men's national team dropped its roster for January camp as Greg Berhalter gets one more look at his domestic players ahead of some big decisions later this month. We'll pick a couple names out of the list with a lot to gain. And amid a flurry of COVID concerns, the Liga MX season is set to kick off tonight. We look ahead with a full preview of the coming clausura. All that and much more starting now on Football Americas. Mommy, it's the small kick, okay? Not hockey. Okay. Oh. That's a hockey. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's do it again. Small kicks only, Herg. No hard kicks on this edition of Football Americas, which is now live and underway. Here on ESPN Plus, I'm Sebastian Salazar. He's Hercules Gomez. Herc, on what is Dia de los Reyes. Are you ready to hand out some gifts, my man? I am, I am. Do you celebrate los Reyes? Absolutely. I celebrate any chance when you can get more gifts. You slide that shoe next to the chimney and you see uh, what you get in the morning. You have kids, so I'm sure it's a much bigger deal in your household. It, it is a much bigger deal in our household. It's, uh, it was a good, uh, good little... Festival, good little rosca, if you will. I, I didn't get the mono, I didn't get the muñeco, so I was happy. Oh, okay, so that will be a, a continuing theme throughout this show. We got a lot coming your way. Uh, just a couple of days ago, Herc, you and Mauricio Pedrosa sat down with Ricardo Pepe for a long chat about all things Bundesliga, Augsburg, U.S. men's national team. So we'll hear that a little bit later on in the show. We also have some very interesting reports from around the world to kind of dissect and try and figure out what they really mean. We've got one that's not very flattering, Herc, about Chris Armas and his time already at Manchester United. And we've got some other reports which have now been confirmed about who will be running for president of U.S. soccer. Ah, we get into the politics of the beautiful game on this edition of uh, Football Americas, which, of course, you can always download via podcast. But, Herc, let's start in the transfer market. It is, after all, the January transfer window and let's start with the case of james sands new york city fc sending sands to rangers in scotland on an 18 month loan Herky's 21 years old 65 mls appearances since his debut way back in 2017 crazy to think uh in a world cup year hercules do you like this move for sands I like it for a lot of reasons. He's 21 years old. He's going to go to a place that is in Europe. Yes, the Scottish Premier League isn't probably the highest of levels, but you know what it does give him an opportunity to do? Gives an opportunity of Champions League and Europa League. Champions League, and I'm not talking about this season because they're in the Europa League, but potentially down the road. And that's going to be a good platform for him to try to impress. Uh, he's at 21 years old. He just signed a five-year deal with, with New York. And you know what that means. Anytime you get a good player, national team pool player, who's been on the radar for the national team as being a better player or a more important player or European teams. Anytime you sign a new deal, you're gone. And that's exactly what happened. 
So you mentioned uh, Rangers, part of Europa League. They're in the knockout rounds, by the way. They're going to face off against Borussia Dortmund. Maybe we get a, a Sands versus Gio Reyna, ex-New York City FC Academy showdown in the Europa League. He's got seven caps for the national team uh, and, of course, is part of the Gold Cup team this summer as well. Let's hear more on the move from Sands. Yeah, it's, it's a massive moment for me, um, you know, coming to a club with, you know, such a, you know, good tradition and, you know, winning history like Rangers is, is a big step for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting in with a top group of players and coaches. So um, I'm, I'm super excited. And why did you feel Rangers was the right club for you to move to Europe for the first time? You know, I think because of kind of the ambitions that Rangers have, both, you know, domestically in Scotland and in, in Europe as well, I think it, you know, made sense to go to a club had those ambitions and, you know, was willing to work on, you know, developing me as a player and a person. So I think that was a big reason. And, you know, also playing in front of, you know, a fan base like Rangers is, is, is an important step. And, you know, it's, it's big for me to learn how to play in those environments. Herc, more news from Major League Soccer. Richie Lorea is also headed overseas. The Canadian international left back is set to join Nottingham Forest of the English Championship from TFC. The 26-year-old, get this, was reportedly offered a deal that would have made him the highest paid left back in Major League Soccer, just under a million dollars per season. Herc, uh, does the fact that Lorea rejected TFC's offer for the second tier of English football, is it something, nothing, or everything? Well, it's everything that he's going abroad. It's everything that's going abroad right now, this time that he's 26 years old. Don't put too much stock that it's second tier. We went on this, we talked about this last week. The championship, even though it's second tier, is a top 10 league in the world. Financially very good. What's interesting here is it could have been very easy for him to say, hey, I'm the starting right back or sometimes left back for the Canadian national team playing for Toronto FC. I'm 26 years old. It's a World Cup year. Maybe right now isn't the time. I could jeopardize that. And what you don't want if you're a player, especially a player who's already a starter going into a World Cup year where Canada may make the World Cup is you don't play. Nothing is guaranteed at Forrest. He'll have to fight for his spot, fight for his position, but it could mean bigger and better for him. I applaud the move. Being the highest paid outside back in Major League Soccer, that sounds great. But actually doing well, maybe getting to Premier League at 26 years old and playing for the Canadian National Team in the World Cup, that sounds even better. I wonder if Herc at 26 years old, because you keep mentioning the age, I wonder if he sees his window closing, right? That opportunity yep. for a European move. Um, Nottingham Forest is, of course, a club that offers him the chance to play in the championship. And from all reports, he's going to have an opportunity, Herc, to walk right in and compete immediately for the starting position at left back for Nottingham Forest. So uh, I think in that regard, he may not be risking as much with the Canadian national team. Well, let's be honest, man. He has been... Of all the performers, and we focus a lot on Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, of all the, the breakthrough Canadians of the last year, he's got to be right atop that list, right? Richie Larea has had a really good 18 months. Absolutely. Club and country. I mean, he's a converted, I believe, winger into uh, outside back. He's done extremely well for learning the position into your mid-20s. He's adapted very well. He's very good. Versatile left side, right side. He's very, very direct dangerous in his play he creates things it's a good player this is why canada is doing well these players are stepping up but 26 years old you mentioned the window closing you're talking mm -hmm. to a guy that went to mexico and started making his his nut so to speak at 27 when you start seeing that window close 
your mindset is different. You got to get after it. You got to go after it and you got to get it while you can. The folks at the athletic just crushing the reporting on this. Apparently it's going to get a three and a half year deal uh, with Nottingham Forest. Toronto FC though is also going to get a small transfer fee, Herc, in the neighborhood of a, of a million dollars for a player that obviously they value very much. So Richie LeRae, an MLS player who's ready to make the move to Europe, Herc, the opposite side of that coin is the case of Jesus Ferreira, who we followed a lot with not just FC Dallas, but the U.S. Uh, national team as well. He's going to be staying in MLS for the time being, despite the fact that reportedly, Herc, there's lots of interest from Europe in the FC Dallas player right now, like this winter. Uh, Ferreira set to sign a designated player contract with FC Dallas. So, Herc, uh, are you cool with it? Ferreira turning down Europe for now, for now. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Uh, let me tell you why I'm cool with it. This brings me back to the Eddie Johnson teenager exploding onto the scene with the U.S. men's national. Do you remember that? You remember that time when Eddie Johnson exploded onto the scene? All of a sudden, Eddie Johnson's getting European interest. Eddie Johnson was like on a buck fifty, something like that. And then they tried selling him for millions of dollars. And whoever the suitor was at the time was like, wait a second, you want us to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars for this kid who you think is going to be worth that, but you don't pay him? So Major League Soccer paid him and this is the tried and proven model so this tells me that's only going to increase the interest it's going to try to up that transfer fee uh i'm okay with it because it's a spade ada well he's got a handful of games with the u.s men's national team and yeah he was in last camp and he played against mexico but if you look at that forward pool if everybody is playing to their optimal level if they're healthy if you have a ricardo pepe doing well if you have a josh Sargent who finds this form if you have a jordan pifok a matthew copy maybe a timothy way who come in there in a pinch and play there even a jesse sardis who who greg berhalter values very much i don't know where jesus Ferreira falls into that i guess pecking order and he's almost that false nine option if you will because that's what that's what he'd be so I'm okay with it. This is a kid right now that is trying to increase his market value or FC Dallas is trying to increase that market value. And while doing so, he's getting paid. Yeah, he is getting paid, right? His salary is going to go up to just under $2 million a year. That's a lot for anybody in MLS, but definitely for somebody playing for FC Dallas. That is a lot of money. So Jesus Ferreira is going to get paid. Now, FC Dallas is going to have a club option in 2026. So this ties into the club for a very long time, but it does set up, as you always say, um, down the road for maybe um, a bigger move. There's one more point to make, and it's the opposite of what we said with Ricardo Pepe last show when you and Mauricio Pedroso were talking about it. Um, there is maybe, when you go to Europe, less guarantee of minutes in a World Cup year. Jesus Ferreira will, there is no doubt here, right? He will be guaranteed significant minutes in a World Cup year, Herc. I got to think, if he's thinking about this from an international perspective and the fact that, yes, he is on the outside of that nine pool. This is the move that helps him to make the World Cup uh, much closer than maybe a move to Europe even would right now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it probably would because who knows what type of European offers he's getting? Who knows what tier of Europe it is, what league it is, what club, the situation, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can be somewhere where that's already proven to get you to the national team and you're getting paid, that's a win-win in my book. Herc, let's get to some breaking news from Thursday. Speaking of the U.S. men's national team, the Federation announcing their roster for the upcoming January camp. we got 19 players, of course, all from Major League Soccer. This is not in a, a FIFA window. Dewan Jones of the New England Revolution, Herc, the only uncapped player 
called into the group. But for the purposes of this discussion, let's focus in on a couple veterans, right? Uh, we got Aaron Long, who's 29 years old. That, uh, I was kind of shocked when I looked up and said, wow, Aaron Long's 29. Uh, and we got yeah. Jordan Morris, who's 27 years old. A couple of guys hurt for coming off of serious injuries. And who, for being honest, this is probably the last shot at a World Cup team. Uh, at least a realistic last shot at a World Cup team. So who do you think has a better chance of making the squad for Qatar? This is a great question, and it's it's a tough one because if you look at both players, both players for Greg Berhalter were playing, and we're playing a lot, and we're very valuable. I mean, Aaron Long, he was a captain for Greg Berhalter, not just a few times, a lot. Uh, he was probably one of the 2019. Yeah, when they were both healthy. You know, he was. these were players who Greg Berhalter put a lot of stock in. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jordan Morris. You've heard Greg Berhalter talk about verticality. You heard him stress the importance of that type of player. Well, Jordan Morris, before his injury, was an MVP candidate in Major League Soccer. Before that injury, he was a Player of the Year nominee with the U.S. Men's National Team. Five goals, six assists. He was that important to the setup. And when I look at the options at center back, just the pool, when I look at the options at center back, I think Aaron Long's on the outside looking in, not by a little, but by a good amount when you mm. look at Chris Richards, when you look at Miles Robinson, when you look at even Walker Zimmerman, a John Brooks who could get back to the good graces of what is Greg Verhalter. I think the competition is less for Jordan Morris based off the type of player he is and what Greg Verhalter says he wants. So mm. by competition and by also their form before they got injured, I go with Jordan Morris. I'm just thinking about needs here for the national team. Herc, I'm shocked that you think there's a there's a greater need for a player at wing. I mean, Polisic, Wea, there's so many the options man. there and so Read many the very man. so many very Brenner good options. Halter. How, how many times though, Herc, on this show have we talked about the need to figure out a central back pairing for the US men's national team? And you're telling me that Aaron Long is a player who Greg Berhalter has confidence in at that position. Um do you think that there's there's better options at center back really than there are at, at right wing or left wing where Jordan Morris yes. would play? Really? For Greg Halter, I think so, yes. I mean, he doesn't think John Brooks is an option, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I think so, absolutely. If you look at the wing positions, even a player like, like Timothy Weah hadn't stayed claim until about two games ago. He hadn't really but shown way ahead those, of the pecking those, order of a player like Jordan Morris, right? I mean, who's Jordan Morris competing with? Well, Maybe a Paul Areola? Is, Paul it, that, is Areola. it that kind of straight yeah. up? Yeah, that? and that's who gets a lot of time. That's who gets mm -hmm. a lot of time. I think he's competing with Paul Areola. I think he's competing with, in a way, Brandon Aronson, even though he's not that vertical player. I, I think those are the guys. For us, for many of the fans, many of the pundits, you'd like to think Timothy Weah is untouchable. He's not. I don't think he is with Greg Berhalter. I think that's the player who needs to continue to prove himself. Same thing with Brendan Aronson, even though he has proved himself. Either way, Jordan Morris, 27. Aaron Long, again, 29 years old. It really does feel like from an international perspective, a World Cup perspective, a last chance saloon for both of those guys. Guys, far, far from last chance saloon for Ricardo Pepe. A couple days ago, Herc, you and Mauricio Pedrosa sat down with the man of the week and spoke to him from Germany. Here it is. Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die baby. eBay Motors tiene lo que necesitas para darle mantenimiento a tu vehículo y para llegar hasta el rendimiento máximo. Desde sobrealimentadores, sistemas de sonido, tubos de escape, luces LED y más. Si buscas velocidad, potencia o estilo, lo encontrarás todo en eBay Motors. 
Con más de 122 millones de piezas, siempre encontrarás justo lo que buscas. Y con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, tienes la garantía de que tu pieza quede perfectamente a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Porque con eBay Motors, quemas llantas y no tu dinero. Con las piezas que buscas, a los precios que quieres, tu auto se convertirá en el MVP que te dará el triunfo. eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com. Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. This is a risky, a very bold move for Ricardo Pepe. I'm here for it. I applaud it. The aguacates are all time high. Pepe has taken this path less well traveled. We're talking about huge money. Oh, I think adaptation will be just the speed of play over here in the Bundesliga. Obviously, obviously it's going to be a little bit more competitive, but you know, I'm ready to for the challenge and ready to work. Ricardo Pepe. The kid from El Paso, Texas. Not too long ago, you were playing in the USL, my man. Now a $20 million reported transfer fee. Highest for a homegrown club record. Second highest in Major League Soccer. How does it feel? No, it feels great, man. You know, it just shows that I've been working, and, you know, and things like that. And, you know, I've been, it's always been a dream of mine to play in Europe. And I feel like, you know, we accomplished one step, but we still got a lot of steps and a, and a bright future ahead of us. Ricardo, how would you describe the past 72 hours of your life, the moment you had to take the trip to Germany, take your physical, and then make it official? What has it been like for you and your family these past days? No, honestly, it's been crazy. You know, it's been crazy because once we found out that, you know, there was a team interesting and it was Oxford, you know, we, we, we didn't know when I was going to leave, you know. So all of a sudden, they told us, you know, that we want you, on, we want you there on the second. And I tell my family, I tell my parents, and they're like, oh, wow, that's a little too soon. So, you know, it was a little too fast for them. But, you know, we're happy to be here. And obviously with the physicals and everything, everything came out good. And now we're training with the team for training what got done today. So I'm very excited to see what, what the future brings for me. Ricardo, we, ha we heard a lot of teams being reported. Wolfsburg, there were a few teams in Premier League. Wolves, one of them, another unnamed team. Why Augsburg? Well, why did you choose them? I feel like Osberg gave me the confidence from the first from the first step, you know, even before mentioning numbers, anything like that. They they talked to me on the phone and, you know, they always gave me the confidence. They always, they always told me that, you know, they highly rated me and things like that. So, you know, that made me feel it made me feel good about them and it made me feel good about myself. So, you know, ever since they talked to me, I felt comfortable with them. And, you know, giving, giving the confidence to the player, I feel like it's, it's a key aspect in, in soccer. Has it sinked in already for you? The moment you just said you finished your first training session, the moment you are in the locker room taking a look around, you are part now of a European club, and that was obviously a dream of yours. Has it sinked in already? No, honestly, it hasn't. You know, it's been the second day that I've been around with my teammates and, you know, still trying to get comfortable around some of them. I feel like I've, I've had a good communication with them. So, you know, still trying to get comfortable and get used to, obviously, the whole locker room. But, you know, little by little, it's getting a little bit more comfortable and it's sinking in a little bit more. What type of conversations did you have with Greg Berhalter, the U.S. men's national team coach, about this move to Osberg in the Bundesliga? No, you know, 
I've always talked to Greg about anything that I've had to talk about about him, and he always told me that just go go to the team. I think I'm going to play the most. You know, it's so important that I keep playing, that I keep developing as a player, especially with, especially with the World Cup coming up. So it was important for me to get opportunities and be able to grow as a player and take that next step. It's 2022. It's a World Cup year. How big of a factor was that in your decision that in 11 months, most likely the U.S. men's national team will be playing in Qatar, the World Cup. How big of a factor was that in making your decision? No, it was huge. It was huge. You know, it just I feel like most of my decision came to to that point. You know, it was uh, it was a decision that had to be made with a team that I knew I was going to get opportunities. You know, I couldn't go to a team that I wasn't going to be playing because obviously it's a World Cup year, and you know you want to be at your best for that year, and you want and I want to be able to go compete and play in that World Cup. So, you know, Augsburg, I feel like they're going to give me the opportunities. And, you know, I just got to show them that I'm worth it and that I work hard for the team. And, you know, I feel like they're they're going to put that, their trust in me and it's going to be all good. Augsburg is putting your trust, their, their trust in you, excuse me, $20 million. They're midway through the campaign right now, sitting 15th in the Bundesliga, only 17 goals scored in 17 games. And they turned to an 18-year-old kid with very little... I guess, pedigree, if you will. You still have a long career ahead of you. It's a calculated risk by them, but it's also a calculated risk by you. Have you thought about what would happen if the team is relegated? No, I feel like, you know, that, that hasn't been a thought of mine because I'm here, to, I'm here to help the team and, you know, we're not thinking about relegation right now. I think we, we got to think ahead of, we just got to think day by day about the next game and the next game is Saturday. So, you know, we're not really thinking about that. We're not really focused on that, but on the next game. Have you had a chance to talk to your manager? What have you heard from him in terms of what are the expectations from Ricardo Pepe? Because as Herc said, uh, when you are a transfer fee record for a club, expectations are obviously really high. But what have you heard from your manager so far? No, yeah, it's been the second day and he, know, he knows I've been out for about two to three weeks. So obviously he, he knows that I'm not going to be at my best starting now, you know, so no, obviously expectations are high, you know, and even just for myself, for myself, I know it's a it's a big transfer transfer fee, and I know that you know I'm taking that next step, and it's going to be a, a bigger step than than I took previous steps, but it's going to be important for me to to show out and show the team that you know they can they can trust me. Ricardo, we had Jurgen Klinsmann on the show uh, about a month ago, maybe a few months ago. Jurgen Klinsmann, the ex U.S. Men's National Team coach, ex one of the best uh, forwards to ever play the game. He was talking about the timing and how the timing needed to be right. We're going into World Cup year. Uh, why was the timing right now? No, like I said, you know, I feel like I needed that next step and I need to play. So I feel like that there's no better timing than taking this opportunity now. You know, I feel like this is the next step for me. And obviously, I feel like I think I can play in this team. And I think that I can show them what the, what the qualities I have. And I can earn some, some minutes and some opportunities. Is it one of those situations in which, you know, uh, once the opportunity arises, you have to take it? Or was there a consideration from you and your team, your family of saying, let's take our time here and, and, and consider if this is the right moment? Or was it when you guys heard from Augsburg, was it the right time to go just because the opportunity was there for you guys right now? No, there was a lot of talks behind it, you know, it wasn't only, oh, you know, there's one team, so we got to pick the team. I feel like me and my family, we went through every single team that 
that contacted my agent and we talked about every single team, you know, and at the end of the day, we, we had, we chose the best option for me and I f we feel like this is the best option and the best club that we could have came to. Ricardo, there are a lot of nines or potential nines who are playing in Europe. Josh Sargent, Jordan Pifuk, you have Matthew Coppi, Timothy Weah who can play there as well. Daryl Dika who just transferred to the championship. Did you feel that you had to make the move to Europe? Uh, no, honestly, that, that wasn't part of the reason why I made my move to Europe. I feel like, you know, the MLS always, you know, they have a good level compared to previous years. We've always been growing the MLS in general. So, you know, it wasn't really because of that. It was more because for, for me, you know, it was more for a personal decision that I felt like I was ready for that next step. And, you know, obviously I have teammates in, in Europe, but, you know, that wasn't the reason why I made this transfer. How much was your choice influenced by Bundesliga success, by teammates of yours in the national team like Pulisic, Reina, Weston McKinney, and, and ha have you had the chance to talk to them about the experience of playing in Germany? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely talked to, to Weston, I talked to Christian, and, you know, they told me that this is a good league, good league for me. They said that, you know, before I even signed here, they were like, I feel like the Bundesliga, you would, you would kill it, and, you know, I, Obviously, I took that under consideration and, you know, my agent, my family, they put the trust in me and they also think that this would this would be a good league for me to develop. Ricardo, it's been quite some time since you've made the decision to represent the U.S. men's national team over the Mexican national team. What's the response been like from fans on both sides since? No, I feel like it's been pretty positive, you know, pretty positive from the American side, the, from the U.S. side, I feel like. You know, they, they put a lot of support in the team, not only the team, but also me. I feel like it's, it's been great. I, f I feel comfortable and I feel, I feel safe around America. So the January World Cup qualifiers, I mean, I know we just started a year and just made a move, but they're around the corner and I'm, and I, and I'm sure you're keeping your eye in being a part of that team. Uh, how much do you believe that this move will impact your presence in the U.S. Men's National Team? Obviously, you know, you have to be you have to be playing to be able to go to to a World Cup qualifier. You know, I feel like that comes in the decision when it comes to, you know, Greg always looks at the at the players who, who are playing, you know, who are playing. And if, and if you're not playing, then obviously you're, you're not going to be able to be on that roster. So I feel like, you know, I got to I got to work hard and I got to be able to to start playing. And if I'm playing by then, then I feel like it's going to it's going to help me for the World Cup qualifiers. Take me back to the game versus Mexico. You're a Mexican-American kid. Your parents are Mexican. You grew up watching Mexican soccer. Uh, what was it like to play against Mexico? Take me back to that day, what you were feeling, that emotion. No, it was certainly a, a special day, you know, a special day. I had my family in the stands and, you know, we were all taking it how it, come, how it came. You know, it was, a, it was a day that, you know, honestly, I was numb by the feeling of just being excited. You know, it was, it was so good. Like, it felt so good to be able to be on that field with the with all the fans and you know all the atmosphere around the stadium it was great and and adding to that there's the game now obviously in march at the Estadio Azteca how much are you looking forward to being a part of that game and playing at Estadio Azteca no definitely looking forward to that but like i said i feel like we have three games coming up and we have got to focus on those first because you know there's the most important ones next so you know, I, I definitely would love to play in, in Estadio Azteca with their their crowd, our fans going over there. So it's going to be it's going to be amazing. But you know, we have something closer to look forward at. 
Ricardo, if I, if I could, could I ask you, if you take me back to the decision that was U.S. national team or the Mexican national team, did the fact that when you look at the player pool on the U.S. men's national team side, you see so many young players being given an opportunity and being exported influence at all your decision? Yeah, that influenced a lot. You know, that was that was a that was a that was actually a a good a good positive thing that you know I looked at the squads and you know there was a lot of young players that I used to play with even in the in the old two team you know and I was looking at that and I saw them got their opportunities and you know I was like okay then I can I can be on that team and I can compete. Me and Herrick, obviously, Sevi, we, we, we cover a lot of what happens in Mexico and the relationship between the U.S. men's national team and the Mexican national team. And I don't know if you were aware of how big of an impact in Mexico your decision to play for the U.S. had. And were you aware of that? Were you surprised to read, to see, to listen? how people in Mexico were paying attention to your decision. And some of those fans were disappointed that you chose the U.S. instead of Mexico. Yeah, no, honestly, I wasn't, I'm not really aware of, you know, what happened on, on the Mexican side. You know, I've, I've always been just focused on the U.S. and, you know, just playing my game. You know, I, I don't really go into social media and read things except for things that my dad tells me. But besides that, then I'm, I'm not really focused on, on the things that happen outside. Ricardo, why is FC Dallas so successful at exporting young players uh, abroad to Europe? I mean, you look, take a look back at their track record. You have Weston McKinney, Chris Richards, Brian Reynolds. You're another one. Why is FC Dallas so successful at that? I think it's so simple. You know, I've always said it that FC Dallas, from a young age, they put you in a professional atmosphere. You know, ever since you're 13 till like you're 18 or 19, they're always treating you like professionals. Everywhere you go on trips, they give you good food, they keep you healthy, they give you good workouts. Obviously, trainings are intense, so you know they're always putting you in that atmosphere, and and that develops the players pretty well. So, as as Herc mentioned earlier, you you're still 18. You're very young, and we were having this conversation on Football Americas on Monday. Uh, at 18 years old, you're not a fully developed player. In what areas, in what aspects of your game do you believe the Bundesliga will help you getting reaching the next level? Yeah, no, like I say, you know, like and like you say, you know, I've not fully developed and this is a different league from the MLS. So, you know, there's going to be different things that I'm going to need than the things I need in the MLS. Obviously, I have a base, but there's a lot of things to learn, especially like, you know, reading the center backs over here in the Bundesliga. Obviously, it's a lot different, you know, being more intense, uh, being stronger body-wise. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be a good change. Ricardo, you've been on a little bit of a drought for both club and country. Even though you've been going through that drought, I think I feel you've been playing your best football, combining, reading the game. What have you learned about yourself in this drought? Because it's not very common that you've had a goal-scoring drought. Yeah, no, you know, when I feel like these are the times where I make you the strongest. You know, obviously, I haven't scored in the past three games that I've played. So it's been it's been a drought. I, I guess you can call it a drought, but uh, no, I feel like these are the moments where I really learn the most. You know, you learn where the spaces I should have been at. You know, how I should have finished that shot or things like that. You know, just simple things. And those those tough moments are the moments where you grow your mentality to to be stronger. Well, Ricardo Pepe, muchas gracias. Thanks for being with us, my man. Thank you. Herc and Mao, great stuff there with Ricardo Pepe as we look at some of his competition for the upcoming 
season with Augsburg, who, as you guys mentioned in the interview there right now, 15th in the Bundesliga, one point above the relegation zone. And uh, if you want more of that Ricardo Pepe interview, don't worry. Listen into the podcast. we got the extended version, the full clip. You, Mao, and Ricardo uh, Pepe discussing uh, all things Mexican and American soccer. So it should be very interesting. Herc, I'm wondering what your biggest takeaway was uh, from that interview, what we heard there. Also, what you know uh, didn't quite make it that was on the edit room floor. One thing I would point out is he sounds really confident about playing yeah. time, almost as if there were there were guarantees made, right? I don't know if the word guarantee is the correct word because there are no absolutes, but he's definitely a confident kid, and he definitely feels he will play. That's one takeaway. The other takeaway, and we've spoken about it many times here, is when all things are equal for dual citizens, for especially Mexican-Americans in this rivalry, it almost becomes a business decision, right? And he said so himself. When I looked at both pools, and one pool has young players being given a chance and are being exported, are, are all of a sudden going to Europe, yeah, that influences one's decision. Something you guys talked about a lot on Monday's show, uh, the lack of exportation. Uh, of Mexican players. Oh, worth noting, right? He's not playing in Liga Mekis at the end of the day. He is playing in MLS. And I don't know if it's a national team th- so much as a uh, as a league thing. Uh, let us move then, shall we, to a quick edition of Book It. You know we love to set over-unders, okay? So Ricardo oh. Pepe is going to have 17, or count 17 Bundesliga games with Augsburg. Let's say he starts, you know, two-thirds of those games, so 10-11 games. I'm going to set his over-under for the rest of the season at five and a half. Now, I know that's high, right? That's basically saying he's going to get a goal every other time out for Augsburg. But, hey, that's a, that's kind of the, the, the return you expect for a big-time striker yeah. signing. So five and a half. What do you think, over-under? Okay, very quickly, when you mentioned this in the rundown, meaning when you explained it, I immediately thought, didn't we do the same thing for JJ Macias of Chivas going to Getafe, the young Mexican striker, very talented Mexican striker? You took the over at five and a half. So ironically, the same line for a full season. Mm. I'm going to take, like I did with JJ Macias, the under. Now, yes, Ricardo Pepe is a $20 million man. But there's a reason they signed Ricardo Pepe. They don't score goals. 17 goals in 17 games. And between the two forwards that are already played, they scored like, I think, five goals, if if I remember what Derek Ray had told us, uh, between the two. So it's because they don't create enough. They don't create enough goal-scoring opportunities. And every good nine is dependent on that service. And Ricardo Pepe is no different. Factor that in or couple that in with a few other things like uh, the getting adapted to the culture, the language, the speed of play, the physicality. I still feel he himself is growing Mm. into his own body and he's never played at such a high level. Say what you want about the U.S. men's national team and the players that are around him and how that can make him better. He's only played against CONCACAF opposition. He's only played against Major League Soccer opposition. It's going to be a learning curve. So you're going under, huh? You're going under. Yes. You're, you're, you're hand-checking the break on the peppy hype train. Uh, let me go over. Let me you're go so over sad. on the five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, if for no other reason than, look, the kid the kid scores in bunches. But I am with you. The, the concern here is, uh, we mentioned, they're, they're one point right now above the relegation zone, right? Yeah. Um, or at least uh, at, from potentially being in, in, in the relegation playoff, which you don't want to be in at all. Uh, when it comes to Bundesliga and Germany. If any one of the guys that you saw in that full-screen graphic, right, any one of those Augsburg players catches fire, they're getting left in. It doesn't matter 
what Ricardo Pepe was promised or not promised or what guarantees of playing time there were. It doesn't matter the $20 million transfer fee and that that's an Augsburg club record. None of that stuff matters. In a relegation fight, the, the yeah. hot hand is going to get the benefit of the doubt. So if he's the hot hand, I don't think he has trouble to hit five and a half, right? Because if he gets hot, we know we know how hot he can get. But, but if one bunches. of the other guys gets hot, I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, those other guys have not gotten hot, but Pepe scores in bunches, and I will give Pepe this. He is so confident. It is borderline. I don't want to say arrogant. There's a swagger about him, and I'm here for it. All right, let's push on, because elsewhere we have some interesting news, as reported by The Athletic. Manchester United players are yet to be convinced by Chris Armis, who has been leading training sessions. Uh, under the new manager there, Ralph Ragnick. Uh, the report says United players, quote, feel they need more direction. Kirk, what do you make of it? Wait a second. You're telling me Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo aren't taking Chris Armas seriously on the soccer field? You're telling me on the football pitch, they're like, eh, I don't know about this. Listen, soccer players, football players, we will always find something to complain about. Okay? Mm -hmm. we, we're being told what to do our whole lives. So if you find something to complain about, you will complain about it. Here is my worry. As a footballer, when it comes to coaches, there's two ways of respecting your authority. Who they are, what they've done, okay, as a player or a coach, or when they show you how smart they are. No mm -hmm. two ways about it. He's not gotten them to buy in neither as a player with the Chicago Fire resume or as a coach with his Metro Stars or Red Bulls, I'm sorry, if you will, or Toronto FC. He needs to get them to respect them on the field, and that is not happening, and that is a problem. Uh, let me ask you the why on this, though, because I remember when we were talking about Jesse Marsh, Herc, you said the passport would play against him, right? That, that people would hold it against him that he was American. Do you think, do you think that's at the root of this, that these players see a guy with uh, an American playing resume, an American coaching resume, and say, uh, what's this guy got to do with the Premier League and a club like Manchester United? It could be. It could be a factor, but I don't know if that's the main factor. Listen, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you can get players to at least believe Wait you know a second, it doesn't about, matter where you're from. You're the guy that said the passport plays against well, you. clean your ears out. Okay, I said if you can get guys to believe in what you're selling and what you're trying to show them on the field... That should matter. But if there's speculation there, if they're not convinced, then the passport comes out, and I'm fully convinced of that. Okay, so Chris Armis then, uh, of course, before he was with Manchester United, was part of Major League Soccer. We got some more news, Herc, out of MLS. This time, as it concerns the ownership group of Real Salt Lake. Remember this ongoing saga. RSL has now been purchased by David uh, Blitzer, ending... The long, drawn-out process, you remember Deloitte Hansen was accused of racist comments, making racist comments, and overseeing a toxic workplace. Dwayne Wade, as you saw there, is part of the new ownership group. They're supposedly going to be the Utah Royals at the NWSL. Back hurt, so good news for all there. Yeah, Blitzer, one of the uh, main investors in FC Augsburg, uh, now with MLS, now with Ralph Salt Lake. Good to see that saga is over hopefully it's going to be the start of something beautiful and Dwayne Wade how many celebrity investors like they're just lining up I don't get it uh, Blitzer also tied in by the way not just with Augsburg I think he's got ownership stake in a Belgian team Crystal Palace um, as well so maybe we'll see a RSL plugged into the greater 
global game. More news from MLS. St. Louis SC has their first manager. Herc. It is Bradley Carnell, the ex-New York Red Bull assistant. Okay, what's your problem here? You got a problem. I can tell. No, I got no problem. I got no problem. We don't have to worry about you it sure? until 2023, even if we do have a problem. Okay, here's the problem. It's not a sexy pick, right? A South African guy who played in South Africa, has only coached as an assistant in Africa with the Red Bulls. Uh, it's not really a sexy pick, but it's about building a culture, right? Mm. And our good friend Lutz, the, the sporting director there, that's what he wants to do. My worry is they're trying to copy the Red Bull brand. They're trying to go the Red Bull way. He's already said multiple times that if you're expecting high-profile players, uh, don't worry, they're not going to come. This is about players who fit into a system, a counter-pressing system, the Red Bull way. That is my worry. When you start a new franchise, you want to knock it out the park on all aspects. The marketing, mm. one of them. You want to get people to be excited about going. This doesn't really scream excitement. It doesn't mean it will be a good thing, but it doesn't really scream excitement to me. Right, it's not an Atlanta United Tata Martino hire, right? That just gonna right. is gonna land on every single paper and, and make people talk yeah. about your team. It, it's it's definitely not sexy, right? If you're if you're St. Louis, and the one thing I would always say is, if you're an MLS team, there, there's only so much you can do. We talked about this before with your players. There's only so much you can do with your players. The salary cap means everybody can kind of do the same things. You can do whatever you want. You can spend as much as you want on your coach. You can be as ambitious as you want. So to see somebody with basically just, you know, interim manager, New York Red Bull yeah. on the resume, um, you know, it, it doesn't at least initially scream ambition. Let's at least withhold judgment on that St. Louis City SC until until 2023 when Fair we enough. see them play uh, for the first time. All right, enough on Major League Soccer. Let's turn our attention south of the border and Liga MX. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get constant contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Look at the gear, Aguilas, Chivas, juntos, only on a t-shirt, 
worn splendidly by Hercules Gomez. The Liga MX Clausura set to start tonight. Who do we got? Uh, San Luis and Pachuca scheduled yeah. uh, to kick off Jornada number one. Maybe not the uh, sexiest matchup, so let's take uh, a bigger picture view, shall we, for our season preview. Of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it is Dia de los Reyes. That'll be the theme throughout this segment, but a little bit later on. Let's start the segment with a theme that is, let's go. that is always a theme when it comes to the Mexican League, and that is managers on the hot seat. So let's focus in on the big clubs, some of the bigger names. Her, uh, which of the key managers in Mexico is under the most pressure as we start the clausura. I don't care if it's key manager, just manager in general. It's Santiago Solari. Uh, it's crazy to Of think. course you were going to. Of course with your anti-America ways. Well, no. Hear me out, and then you tell me if you agree with me. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that in a calendar year, you can get 73 points, second place in one season, first place in the next season, and you're on the hot seat. But it's the truth. He's completely changed what was the America way, the three G's, ganar, golear, gustar. He doesn't do that. He wins. He grinds out results in a very pragmatic way. But you said something not too long ago about America and Santiago Solari. If you're going to be pragmatic, you better win. And guess what he does not do? Come crunch time, the most important games, he doesn't win. Outed by Pachuca in the first game or the first uh, playoff series in the first season to the next season, uh, and outed by, uh, who was it? Oh, yeah. Pumas. Pumas. Thank Repechaje you. Pumas, 11th place, one of their rivals. You're out playing away. That's anti-America. Scared, frightened. And then they got played off the pitch by Monterrey in the CONCACAF mm -hmm. Champions League final. You go back to his resume in Europe, every single high-profile knockout game, he doesn't win. But instead of owning it, he tries to brush it off. He tries to say, that doesn't matter. The regular season matters. He tries to say, what you guys do here isn't even worth my time type of deal. That doesn't sit well with fans. It doesn't sit well with pundits. And if you can't win this go around with Club America, one of the most storied franchises in all Mexican soccer, there's no two ways about it. He's the first one gone. And it is, it is usually very easy to disagree with you, Herc. But in this case, um, very hard to disagree with you. Two seasons, no trophies. Uh, we know what that means at, a, at, a, at an institution like Club America, right? The, the pressure is very much on. And there's also the trend of, and we've seen this in the last two campaigns under him, starting well and finishing poorly, yeah. right? You're not, giving people, you're not giving people hope that you're going to win the big games. You've obviously run through the, the laundry list of, of big games and, and quarterfinals specifically that haven't gone America's way. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me see your Santiago Solari. And I'll raise you, though, uh, Marcelo Michel Leaño, because I do want to talk about Chivas uh, a little bit here. The expectations for Chivas may not be her, what they are for America, but I believe the scrutiny on Chivas is at least as much as it is on America, and it's why I think Leaño may be well on the hot seat. Now, uh, one reason here is is the stain of nepotism, right? It, it's mm. kind of the, the underlying thought here that Leaño has this job specifically and only because he's buddies with the owner, Amaury Vergara. And it's it's not just a rumor, right? It's something that Ricardo Pelaz actually had to address in a press conference last month. So it's something that is very much on the minds of, if not internally, the public and the press in Mexico. So I think that's one key thing when we talk about it. The other, Herc, is a very recent report that claims that while the board at Chivas 
was getting ready to take the decision on Leaño, they actually also could have made a move to bring none other than Javier Mascherano in to be the manager of Chivas. Oh, what could have been, not just for Chivas, but for all of Mexican soccer. Are, are you crazy? Are you telling me that Leaño's not on the hot seat? No, no, Leaño's very much on the hot seat, and there are a lot of different pundits and fans that would love nothing more than to see him slip, see him open his mouth, and get the rug pulled under him. But Mascherano, that to me, that right there is a sexy pick. That right there is making waves. And despite Chivas and their not winning waves for the better part of, wow, how long has Matias Amena been gone? Uh, that would have been something to take away or deflect from what has been going on lately. It would have been a very sexy pick. So, Herc, Dia de los Reyes, you know, the, the tradition is you're going to get some gifts, right? You, you right. put your shoe out in, and, and, and you, get, you get those gifts that you really want. Not the stuff you need, you, you get the stuff you want. So, uh, in the spirit of that, let's take a look at some of the, the big moves over this winter transfer window in Liga MX, which has really felt like one of the, the, the busier winter windows uh, in a long time, especially in terms of Mexican players, right? Just moving back and forth within the league. So, Tema, theme, Dia de los Reyes, thinking presence. Who got the best presence, right? Which team made themselves stronger or strongest over the last couple weeks with these moves? Bear with me, bear with me. But it's Cruz Azul. Think about this for a second. Cruz Azul is going to lose Cabecita Rodriguez, who was a very good player. Uh, but he wanted to leave anyways. And last season, he scored one goal, which may be a blessing in disguise because now Santi Jimenez can be the man, the actual man. Yoshimar Yotun, he's gone. Luis Romo, he's gone. Guess who comes in? Charlie Rodriguez and mm. Christian Tabo. Christian Tabo, who's a very coveted 10 in this league, and they got their guy. Orbelin Pineda's gone. Who you go? Uh oh, wait, not only Orbelin Pineda, young Mexican talent, but also Piejo, Piejo Alvarado. So what do they do? Uriel Antuna and Alejandro Mayorga. By the way, on that trade, they came out like highway robbery. They pulled mm. the wool over Chivas' eyes and they took two very good players. And also, Luis Romo's gonna go, and you know he's gonna go, but you got Charlie Rodriguez for him. I mean, it just seems like everywhere you look with them, they're pulling off chess-like moves and the rest are doing checkers. They're setting themselves up for the next decade, not for the next season. Yeah, I mean, if you're going on quantity, it almost has to be Cruz Azul, right? They're also uh, linked with Cristian Pavon. We'll remember him from his time with Major oh, League true. Soccer, LA Galaxy, uh, ex-Boca player, was on the Argentine World Cup team in 2018. If they could uh, add him in kind of that attacking midfielder role, that could be uh, very easy. So when, when I saw this question in our production meeting, Herc, I was actually stuck um, between the two teams from Monterrey. I, I think there's, a, there's mm. a very good shout for Tigres here, right? If you think, uh, think Cordova is going to end up returning to the player that he was, and if you think Jesus Angulo, you also think about that at center back. Tigres also, by the way, linked to a Brazilian center back uh, yeah. that was on the Olympic team. Uh, maybe that'll explain some of the Carlos Salcedo potential transfer rumors uh, to Toronto FC, which we've been seeing. So, so Tigres, I think, very much has a shout. But I'm going to go Rayados. Not so much because I Painful. think, because uh, I want to talk about these players, Herc. It's because I'm interested. I'm more interested in, in the two moves specifically of Rodolfo Pizarro um, and Luis Romo. And I'm interested in these two moves, not necessarily for the right reasons, right? Let's start with uh, Rodolfo Pizarro because he's on the screen there walking his, his beautiful dog. This is, this is last chance saloon for him. Uh, I'm not talking about the, uh, at the national team level. I'm just talking about club being like a relevant player uh, in Liga Mekis, in the Mexican sphere, 
Uh, we clearly saw what happened to Inter Miami. It, it didn't work out. That almost felt like last chance. But this, to me, is really last chance for a player who's now uh, well beyond the young player phase of his career. For Luis Romo, man, Herc, I don't know about you, but this is such a disappointing move for me. This is a player who a month ago we heard was saying, oh, I would only leave Cruz Azul for Europe. I will only go for Europe. If I don't chase my dream, I'll be letting myself down. And I know the money's tempting, and I know the money's big with Rayados, but, but he didn't make the move. He didn't make the move to Europe. And I think um, for both of these players, the window for Europe is... is is probably closed. I think Pizarro, we knew that. But for Romo now, at, at, he's going to be 27 hurt in June. Is there any chance now of a European move? Because if you listen to him, he hasn't given up that dream yet. At least publicly, he's not saying that he's done with the dream of Europe. But I, I don't see a, an avenue now. No, not if it's not on a free. And his chance was of a free was at Cruz Azul, not with Monterrey. Now at Monterrey, that's a high transfer fee because the investment, I mean, they would want some return on that. Okay, so um, look, for those that don't know the tradition, uh, we've got the Rosca de Reyes, right? A, a nice uh, bakery, like a nice bread. And inside it, you've always got this, this muñeco. Uh, it's like a little baby doll. Okay, and effectively, um, you know, the tradition is different in every household. But you don't want to be the one that gets a muñeco, right? And if you, you do, pay for it's, the it's a Yes, yes. It, it, it's, you have some responsibility, right? So um, it, it's kind of a letdown. So um, what's going to be the biggest letdown then, Herc, of this Liga Mekis season? These muñecos who have been letting us down for the better part of, I don't know, the last decade. And I'm talking about Chivas. If you're Chivas, you already know you have goal-scoring woes, right? You already know you have problems scoring goals. So you got to go out and get a goal score. Well, they went out and they got Viejo Alvarado, who's a good player. Yeah, but he's not that guaranteed goal scorer. And not only that, but... The guy who you actually have who's in charge of creating and goal-scoring opportunities, well, he may leave. Why? Uh, because there's another team interested in him. So what do you do? I'm going to offer you double what you already make. Well, he still may leave. Why? Because Monterrey, Rayados and Monterrey is going to offer him triple. By the way, that huge goal-scoring threat scored zero goals last season. That's Alexis Vega. Chivas is a team, and now especially, you mentioned Michel Leano, no direction. No reinforcements, nothing on the offensive end. And it's disappointing for arguably Mexico's biggest team to be fighting repechaje for their only shot of making a run is to be eighth through 12th. Yeah. But if, if you're saying it's the biggest letdown, Herc, that means you have big expectations. Like they were 10th last well, year. Chivas, were, that's why it's a letdown. They were seventh and ninth, you know, in the two seasons the year before that. Like, what do you honestly expect from them? You don't expect them to be top four. Well, no, what I expect is Mexico's arguably biggest team to invest in players that are uh, Mexican. Now you're living in the past. Arguably you biggest know, Mexican you... players. No, 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 I'm not. Why is it Cruz Azul can get these players? Why is it Tigres can get these young Mexican players? Why is because it they have the money. can get these Mexican because players? Because they have the money. Chivas doesn't because have money. Because they have money. the money. It's the, no. probably the biggest brand in Mexico. Biggest brand in the United States when it comes to football. And they don't have money? Ah. Uh. Just because you're the biggest brand doesn't mean you have the biggest pocketbook. Ah, mi querido Hercules. Speaking of big pocketbooks, can I give you my biggest letdown uh, of the season? Sure. It's a new year, sure. Herc, but it is unfortunately, it is the same old Sevi, full of pessimism. Uh, so oh, my biggest letdown wow. is going to be Club America. Uh, there's been oh. a, lot of, uh, a lot of players going out the door. Now, maybe there are players that you say you know, haven't really done a lot um, at Club America. But they really didn't bring very much in. I mean, we got what? Jonathan Santos and Diego Valdez. Okay, Diego Valdez, uh, 
Fine. Uh, solid player. Chilean international. Attacking midfielder. Great. Uh, Dos Santos. He's going to be... Yeah, who's going to be the new number 10? Probably one of those two, right? Dos Santos. Jonado Santos, for me, is a player who's a good player, fine. But as we've talked about before, it's it's not necessarily the position of most need. We're seeing Roger Martinez score here, which is wonderful. But really, that's the position of need, Herc. I don't have faith in America because I don't have faith in their number nines. I don't have faith in Roger. I don't fa have faith in Henry Martin. I don't have faith in Vinas, who they seem to be trying to sell to anybody every other day um, of the week. Is my, uh, is my doubt, is my pessimism misguided with Las Aguilas? You don't have faith... In a team whose highest leading go or highest goal scorer, excuse me, was Alvaro Fidalgo with four goals? No. You don't have I faith don't. Nope. in that type of team? You don't have faith in a team that bows out in quarterfinals two years running? You don't have faith in one of the most pragmatic styles of football we have seen in Liga Mekis? What is wrong with you? Look I'm at with me. you. I've turned I just, my back. I'm just, I'm just so surprised it took you so long to come around. Uh, Club America, because it's Club America, that also adds to La Decepción. That increments the pressure, if you will. Chivas, America, they play by different rules. Not our rules, their self-imposed rules. Their self-imposed rules. So if they're going to impose those rules, they got to buy by them. Herc, let's make the good folks at home who are watching some money. Time for the next edition of Book It Here on Football Americas. Who do you think will win? The Liga Mekis Golden Boot will be the next Hercules Gomez to etch his name into the history books. Don't say that with so much disdain, okay? Uh, <laughs> my guy's not even on there. Where through is he? Through gritted teeth. Through gritted teeth. Andre Pierre Gignac. Go to the polygraph oh, wow. and get Andre Pierre Gignac on there. The two-time Golden Boot. I know he's a little long in the tooth, but let me tell you something about Andre Pierre Gignac and what he does. Ever since he came to Liga Mekis in 2015, over 20 goals a season is his average, okay? Last season, you know how many goals he scored? I'm sorry, last year. Yearly average. You know how many goals he scored last year? He scored four. Do you want to know why he scored four? Because he was in between injury and the Olympics with the French U23 national team. He's healthy now. And Piojo Herrera has got the total football back. El Diente Lopez was the leading goal scorer last year. Tigres was the most offensive team in the league. Andre Pierre Gignac is going to be fresh. He's going to be right. And if you know, like I know, he is still the most lethal man in all of Mexico. I'm sticking with the Frenchman. Oui, oui, monsieur, Mr. Playoffs, Mr. Liguilla, Andre Pierre Gignac. Now, according to the odds makers, he's not even the Tigre with the most favorable odds to, to win top goal score. We, we saw that El Diente, no? Nicolás Lopez is the... As the, the odds-on favorite to win the Golden Boot, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. Now, there's a lot of players kind of right there in the mix. I'm going to go with uh, a, what I think is a very safe pick, uh, but a little bit contrarian to you. Rogelio Funes Mori of Rayados. Now, here's why, right? Uh, this dude has every record for Rayados. All-time leading score, well over 100 goals with the club. He has never, though, her, never for all of the awards he's won, been the leading goal scorer. That so, looks easy, huh? So just on just on the fact that he's due, uh, I think Rogelio Funes Mori is going to have a great season. Okay, he needs to have a great season because the World Cup is looming and there are still a lot of doubts about Rogelio Funes Mori and his place on the Mexican national team in that number nine pecking order. Here's my thing with Rogelio Funes Mori. I put my faith in him last season as the leading goal scorer and boom, out of the gate, mm. killing it. 
nine goals. He ties the all-time leading goal scorer in Monterrey, in Rayados de Monterrey history, Chupete Suazo. And then took him three months, two and a half months, to finally break that. He's a guy that gets very hot, but he's also a guy, and he's proven, and this is why he doesn't have those accolades, doesn't have the golden, uh, the golden boot uh, trophy. He gets cold. He gets very cold. And my worry is in a World Cup year, the pressure for him. My worry is with all the travel. My worry is with the national team commitments. That is my worry with him. So we've got our picks for Golden Boot. What about picks for league champion? Now we know the story of last season, of course, Atlas winning uh, for the first time in 70 years. There you see their odds to repeat coming in at plus 600. Group America, ever so slight favorites over the trailing pack. Herc, uh, who you got to win the title this season? Well, I've got a tried and proven method. When you say who you got for the title, I either pick Monterrey, Santos, or Tigres. Because in the last 12, 13 years, they pretty much win everything. And I'm going to go with Tigres because I already told you, I'm buying in Miguel Herrera. Let me tell you a little story about Miguel Herrera. Miguel Herrera, in his first goal round with Club America, it took him two seasons to figure out his team. He figured it out in the second season, goes on, beats Cruz Azul. Miguel Herrera, second goal round, chapter two with America. It takes him another two seasons to figure out what is his team, what makes him tick, how to play. They go on to face Cruz Azul, another championship. And guess what this is right now? This is season number two with Miguel Herrera. So guess what I'm going to do? My team that's going to win the regular season is Cruz Azul. They will make it to the final. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is going to make it to the final and play against them? Miguel Herrera and Tigres, and they will win as well. Wow, look at that. Hercules Gomez, shameless, trying to turn this into another edition of Tigres TV. Well, just to, to offer a little bit of balance here on this show, because we're nothing if we don't really hold on to our journalistic balance here on Football Americas. Uh, my choice will be at plus 600, the good value that is Tigres arch nemesis and rival Rayanos. Oh, shameful. That's right. Well, I mean, I picked Rogelio Funes Mori to be your, your golden boot, so... So this makes sense from, from that pick as well. Uh, Javier Aguirre, look, they won the CONCACAF Champions League, so I think there's some momentum built there. Maybe that's my one concern, right, is what is the impact of the FIFA Club World Cup on this team, which I think will be in early February. How does that impact their season? But let's be honest, we're not talking about what Rayales are going to do in the regular season. This is about who's going to win Liguilla. So I think Monterrey will, will be there at the end. And I think behind some goals from Rogelio Funes Mori, who will be tuning up just in time uh, for the World Cup and World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Rayales then are my pick. Oh, look, you want to talk about a look of disdain. Look at that. Look at the shame that you have sharing a program with me after I, after I just picked uh, Rayales. All right, in case you missed it, mi querido Hercules, you'll love this because it's uh, back to El Volcan. Uh, transfer news from Liga Mecas Femenil to NWSL. Uh, Maria Sanchez is moving to the Houston Dash from Tigres. Uh, huge move for her in a World Cup year, a World Cup qualifying year, her that is. Big move, Maria Sanchez to Houston. You know what I like? This is the growth of a league, and I'm talking about Liga Mekis Feminine. When you can start exporting players to bigger and better leagues, it shows how much you are growing as a league. We see it in the stands, we're seeing it in the play, and now we're seeing, we're seeing excuse me, in the transfers. The 25-year-old uh, raised in Idaho. Uh, and there you see her ready to uh, rejoin the Houston Dash. She was actually on loan with the Dash uh, in 2000. And 
21. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, Herc, let's get into the politics of the beautiful game, U.S. Soccer Federation. Presidential elections are coming up in March, and Carlos Cordero has announced that he will run in opposition to the incumbent, Cindy Parlo Cohn. Now, you'll remember Cordero was Federation president 2018 through 2020. He resigned in March of 2020 after sexist language used by Federation lawyers in a legal filing was made public. That, of course, we remember her was part of the U.S. Women's National Team's equal pay lawsuit. So here we have it. Carlos Cordero for president 2.0, Hercules. Are you cool with it? I mean, it gives us something to talk about, but it's not really cool if you think about it. I mean, he's trying to tell us that it wasn't his wording. It was a lack of attention, and he didn't realize that this, I guess, argument was going to go out, citing that science was the reason that women couldn't make just as much as the men, because they were physically not strong like the men, so they couldn't compete at the level of the men, which is just jarring to think about that somebody can get to a position like that and have that attention to detail. He was also in charge when Kristen Press uh, went to the U.S. Soccer Federation and brought up abuse uh, within the Chicago Stars, and he did nothing. Uh, Sunil Gulati did nothing. And now he wants a second crack at this. He wants a second go of the apple. Why? Well, because it's the same reason it always is. It's, it's money. It's FIFA. It's, it's what, he's, what he thinks he can do. It's what he, what he thinks he can get out of it. And, you know, th these are all the things that have made U.S. soccer what we hate, you know, in the past. And what we loathe, uh, whether it's still in the present. So credit here first to a couple of our colleagues, Caitlin Murray and Jeff Carla, who are, I believe, the first to, to break this news. Herc, I have no doubt that Carlos Cordero can win this election. He's a really yeah. smart guy, and I don't think he'd run if he didn't think uh, he could win. There's, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, he's a real good politician. Remember the 2018 election? He was running against some big names. Eric Winalda, yeah. Kyle Martino, Hope Solo, and Carlos Cordero won. He also was critical in, in getting the 2026 World Cup vote to go the way of the United States, Canada, and Mexico. So this guy knows how to work his way uh, around a room when it comes to the election. So I don't have a doubt that he could get elected, Herc. What I do have a doubt is, is whether he could govern. Um, and, and what I say that is, you know, the election is not a popularity contest. He doesn't have to worry about fans. But when you're governing, you have to worry about fans. You have to worry about the press. And you have to worry about those relationships that you damaged in your prior time as the U.S. president. We'll get to that um, a little bit in just a second. But I'll tell you this, Herc. I am going to, on the are you cool with it for Carlos Cordero, I'm going to withhold judgment until this, until we hear from Carlos Cordero. And, and count this as an open invitation to Carlos Cordero, Cindy Parlo Cohn, to come on this program, Football Americas. And I'll tell you why I want to hear from, from Carlos Cordero, Herc, because we didn't hear from him last time. Huh? You can't be president of U.S. soccer and not talk. And I was on the broadcast on March 11th, 2020, 
And we invited Carlos Cordero to come on the air on ESPN and talk about what was in those legal filings. Instead, he chose to have me on air read his statement. It wasn't good enough then. We saw the fallout of that. He had to resign within hours of that decision. Can't hide behind statements. You want to be president, you got to do the interviews. I'll withhold judgment, but until you talk. The floor, Carlos, is yours. Check your DMs on Twitter. There's an invitation from your boys here on Football Americas. Now, somebody, somebody hurt that has not uh, waited on their judgment of Carlos Cordero is uh, U.S. Women's National Team superstar Megan Rapino. Now, when she heard news of Carlos Cordero's uh, reported candidacy, she tweeted, after resigning under pressure or resigned because he embarrassed everything and everyone with caveman levels of misogyny. Again, Herc, just a reminder of what you were talking about. Uh, the Federation's lawyers effectively arguing that uh, women had inherently less ability than men, and that that was the explanation for the uh, difference in pay. So, shots fired from Megan Rapino. Are her shots uh, off the mark? No, I mean, they're not off the mark. Um, whether it was him specifically who came out with that plan or not, it doesn't matter. It was his presidency and his lack of attention uh, that caused it to go out and utterly embarrass themselves, embarrass, be embarrassed as a federation, be embarrassed as a president, and, and ultimately cost him his job. So warranted. Uh, what I will say, and I will let go, is the invitation. Oftentimes, we get a lot of complaints from U.S. soccer. Oftentimes, we get a lot of complaints from different outlets, different, different people. But none of them have been willing to come on. And, and if you want to complain, complain on air. Come on here, and, and we'll talk about it. We'll be respectful. So, um, real quick, um, because I, I, do, I think Megan Rapinoe is very right. Uh, you know, effectively what she's saying here, Herc, is, you know, that what Carlos Cordero has already done disqualifies him, right, from, from being president. And I think that if you want to make the argument that Carlos Cordero was president when these, and I'll be gentle here, re regressive arguments were used by the lawyers, and that at the end of the day, the buck stops on his desk, and he didn't stop it in time, then you can right. say, look, Carlos Cordero is, is unfit to be the president, and that's totally fine. But there's something that isn't talked about enough, and that's the fact that those lawyers that were working on, on that litigation were under the oversight of a group called the Special Litigation Committee, Herc, a small committee with only three members. But one of those members, and this is very important, was Cindy Parlo-Cohn, the current president mm -hmm. of the U.S. Soccer Federation. So Carlos Cordero may well be responsible at the end of the day for what was in those legal filings. But the current president, Cindy Parlo-Cohn, is equally connected, at least, to what was in those filings as Carlos Cordero, who was forced to step down uh, for that. All right, let's move on. Parting shot. One more thing here on Football Americas. Oh, and look at that. We got the music and everything. Do you hear the wedding bells, Herc? Uh, a couple wedding announcements here. Uh, Josie Altidore has gotten married, and so has Aaron Long, a couple of U.S internationals sloan stevens uh, and uh, josie alter congrats uh, my man aaron long his wife elise uh, may you have a blessed marriage blessed union beautiful love story I i'm excited for both so josie altador is entering into the celebrity stratosphere here his his marriage with sloan stevens was the details her reported in people magazine that's that's crossover star power right there oh the producer says vogue as well Mm. Star as tennis well. player, wow. star, star soccer player, 
Look at that beautiful couple. What do you want? Aaron Long and his wife as well. Look at that. Look at that flex. Is that a helicopter? Is my man flexing in front of a helicopter? Bro, how did you get to your wedding? You didn't take the, the chopper? You, Jurgen didn't take you in the chopper? I got Vegas party bus. Uh, uh, okay, hey, uh, Monday, great show planned for you. We're going to have uh, Santos and Mexico goalie Carlos Acevedo join us here on the show. Very excited uh, about that. So don't miss uh, Monday's show. Herc, real quick, before you get out of here, what you wearing there? Look at this. Why can't we be friends? Look at your boy. Look at your boy. You know why we can't be friends. Download the podcast. Don't miss it. Extended what are you interview wearing? with you Ricardo like you Pepe. Went shopping at the Fan Fest, the World Cup. Look at that. The throwbacks, the originals. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.